Welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. We help committed people stop wasting time and stop compromising on their goals. We build and rebuild strong people through one-on-one custom fitness solutions. No filler, no nonsense, and no time to waste. Let's talk about it. Hey, hello, and welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. My name is Justin McClintock. Thank you so much for tuning in, downloading, pressing all the buttons you had to press to get me in your ears today. I'm very excited. We have two guests on the podcast today. They work as a team, but they are separate people. We have Robert and Kayla Hall. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us, Justin. Of course. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. We got connected because I know Robert through some colleagues, and I think you guys have a really interesting story partly because it seems like you've had a number of big changes over not a particularly huge amount of time. And I always think it's really interesting when people make big decisions. Like every one of those comes with a a big step is usually there's a process leading up to it. And I found there's often sort of a moment where that decision gets made. Either it's it's that discussion that happens or something happens that's kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back or something along those lines. Uh, And I think it's really interesting. Uh, Anyone can talk first, but I'd like to know sort of who are you and what do you do? Um, Yeah, I'll jump in first. Uh, So, yeah, Robert, uh, I've been doing this coaching thing for about about 10 years at this point. Um, I started CrossFit itself about 12 years ago. I had lost a bunch of weight and I just I was kind of like bored with just going to the gym a friend of mine suggested that I check out this free website in 2009, and uh, and here we are. Um, I have I've coached, I've bought a gym, ran it, sold it, gone through COVID, coached some more, and now I'm in the process of making a uh, another big transition from uh, one gym to another. That's a lot of big changes. Yes. Tell me about the decision to buy a gym. Oh boy. Um, I'm going to let her jump in here. So first, I think the first and most important thing is it was probably a bad decision. Um, sure. We were both members slash coaches. Uh, I was I was technically on floor hours coaching full time, but kind of looking back at the money we made, not only as coaches then, but as gym owners, it's like, it's laughable. Um, and that kind of leads us to where we are today. Um, it was a gym that had a member leave start his own gym like two miles down the road and we had a large amount of people who decided to follow that person persons um and so you saw this decline in membership and we kind of knew where the direction of everything was kind of like going and we had just gone north for a couple of weeks to visit my mother came back and it's a it's one or two weeks prior to 2014 and our boss approaches us and says, I'm going to do one of two things in two weeks. I'm going to either shut the gym down or you guys can buy it from me. And um, we kind of knew at that point that it was probably bleeding money and she didn't have any other options. And so two weeks to kind of make a decision like that and figure something out is pretty hectic but my my like gut reaction was like 
this is kind of something I had wanted or played with the idea of opening my gym. And we went back and forth as far as, okay, well, what would it take to say no, buy all of our own stuff and like do the process ourselves? Or do we just basically like get an idea of like what this gym is actually worth as parts and take on everything, including like any outstanding debt. Um, and yeah, hindsight, it was a completely emotional decision and it was the dumbest thing we've ever done. And, uh, we, had we just been like, well, sorry, we'll buy some equipment from you and started from scratch ourselves. We would, we might still own a gym. (laughs) Um, things would have been completely different. We, when we took it on, she wasn't super, um, open about all of the financial aspects of everything until the deal was already done and then it was like well shit um and there was uh a lot of you know we had to make a lot of changes which all crossfit gym owners know people leave when you do that especially when raising your rates is one of those changes um and then it it would be like we would have a good win and then something would crash down and it was just uh, the whole time owning the gym it was just a up and down roller coaster that sounds really challenging i think you're i think that's really good insight on it being an emotional decision was that two week deadline was there anything hard and fast about that because it feels like you got i mean obviously it was your decision and your grown ups but it feels like whoever this owner is sort of backing you into a corner did you feel like you had the space to say, like, can I have three months and I'll buy the gym from you? It was the lease. Okay, got it. Yeah, and part, and yeah, there was a lot of us, or a lot of us was kind of like, we were curious as to why we didn't get any notice sooner. We were curious as to, she had she had already, and I remember, like, making a post about it on social media, found a building that had more square footage and cost less in rent, which in 2014 wasn't like a big deal. Like you think about that now and that sounds absurd. Um, and she had signed a three-year lease on that building. On a new building. Correct. With intentions of... We're not sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't know. And I remember talking to the guy who would become our landlord, who was our landlord, and we had a great relationship with him. Um and we were just like, hey, here's what's going on. You need to put our names on the lease because I think we re-upped for like another two years um, at that point. And we were just like really transparent with him about everything. Uh, and he thought the situation was odd to say the least. Um, but yeah, it was... There were just a lot of decisions made by uneducated people, including us. Uh, it's like a live and learn situation. <laughs> Yeah, that's really hard. And I think that story is, uh, I'm sure that's going to resonate with some people out there because especially the buying a gym part, maybe not exactly buying it from the owner, but it's a pretty common story that a coach kind of feels like they're hitting a ceiling and wants to do, either wants to do more and or is dissatisfied with the way things are being done. Kind of the, I know how to do more of this may or may not have any business acumen at all, but is like, well, I'm going to open a gym when sometimes it's really more of a, and I'm not saying that this is necessarily your situation, but I've run into it a bunch, when it's really, they want to be a great head coach and the face of the gym. They don't actually want to deal with underwriters and and new landlords and figuring out the, whatever it is, right to quiet enjoyment and a lease and all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, I mean, that's 
you know, in the moment we thought, oh, well, we've wanted to own a gym. This fell into our laps. It just happened a lot sooner than we thought. But then what happened was, yeah, he strove to be that lead head coach position, like you said, that he's always wanted to be. And then I got put in the back and basically took a crash course as I was rolling down the hill on all of the legality of everything that we were doing. Yeah, it was like a joint effort. I was pretty much running like front of house and she's doing back of house. So she was our accountant. She was doing all of like our Zen planner stuff once we did that. Um, and I was coaching really wasn't until about maybe like two or three years into it. At that point, I was then coaching like every class. Um, and then near the tail end of kind of six ish years, it was, um, we had started to hire some part-time coaches and make some headway. But I mean, we had, like, I feel like the first six months, because it was the beginning of a new year, we had like 50% growth. It was like absurd, but the retention was garbage. Cause I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, we didn't have an onboarding program really. It was like, come try a class. And if you like it, here you go. <laughs> yeah. With everything that we know now, especially through like active life and going through several different business coaches, it's just like, I look back at like those two stupid idiot kids back then. And it's like, wow. <laughs> Perspective is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, now, this seems like very much a team effort, so I'd like to, Kayla, can you take me like a little bit of who you are and what you do, at least up to up to the point we're talking about? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, before we took the gym over, he found CrossFit, and then when we met, we kind of worked out off of CrossFit.com together in like a lifestyle, um, and because of my gymnastics background, it was so much fun because I would kick his ass at like all the workouts, and uh, <laughs> it's not the case today, but... Um, and then, you know, we found the gym that we ended up buying. He started coaching there first. I had been a gymnastics coach for forever and it was just like kind of a natural next step. So then I became a coach. Um, but also throughout this whole time, I was working several different jobs. I had a, like a night clerk slash front desk hotel job, um, daycare, gymnastics coaching, and then also was going to school um, for massage therapy. At first, my whole thing was, okay, I'm gonna go to massage school and then I will massage to put myself through physical therapy school. And then all of this stuff happened and it was kind of like, well, it can go on the back burner. And then that just never <laughs> happened. So when we owned the gym while I was doing the back end, I also massaged out of the office. Um, not an ideal situation for most massage therapists, unless your entire clientele is CrossFitters. And then eventually just like now I'm basically just the housewife slash cheerleader for Robert, which kind of makes me throw up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, she got, she got burnout for owning the gym. I mean, the amount of back end work she was doing was pretty ridiculous. Like I, I would go so far as to say hours worked she might have worked more than me. Um, and with some hindsight and some transparency, I didn't always view it that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're fortunate enough now to be in a position where after we shut down and sold all, like liquidated the gym and with where I'm coaching now, like she doesn't have to work. Um, and so it's kind of a, a fairly nice and unique position. And we've pretty much always been on the same page for the last year and a half that she shouldn't work unless it's something that she like absolutely wants to do. We don't want to be in a position where we need it. 
do you still have aspirations of going to PT school or something like that? No. Um, and I, I don't know. I think it's a mix of a few different things. Like, I mean, it's not work for pay, but I am running his um, social media page for remote coaching. Um, I'm kind of really liking that. I don't know if it's because I can sit behind a computer instead of being out and social. But also, um, with the stuff that he's learning through Active Life, it's he'll tell me about what he's learning or a client, and I'll just be like, it, it don't, there's like a tinge of jealousy, and it almost feels like, well, I'm behind now. So I, I don't know. And with, with the way that things look like they're going to change like morph with active life I don't necessarily know that PT school and going into that the way that it traditionally goes is something that I'd be interested in anymore oh that's an interesting perspective uh I will uh I assume this was shared but I feel compelled to tell you that I asked Robert to be on the podcast and the first thing he said to me was well we Kayla has to come on because she's a huge part of this team and basically I wouldn't be doing this if she wasn't helping me. So what what you're seeing is actually a lot of her, so she should probably be there. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> okay, so we discovered CrossFit. We bought a gym with two weeks notice. That was super tough. You ha- had a gym for six years? Yeah. Yeah, we ran the same gym basically for six years with, I mean, honestly, when we think about who was there when we shut it down, it was a lot of the same people. Yeah, we have a core group that stuck around. Um, and through changing the way we did the programming, through a name change, we spent a year not affiliated with CrossFit. We raised our prices or changed our pricing structure, I think, twice in six years. Um, and like she said, we had at least two business coaches. Yeah. Maybe only two. Uh, yeah, I mean, but there was a lot of, like, trial and error. I would say for a solid four of the six years we from a business standpoint didn't really have a good idea of what we were doing yeah and ironically actually at the end we had kind of gotten our shit together finally like we we were aspiring to go more like you know pt first and keep retention active client value was the highest it ever been our churn rate was the lowest it had ever been so and it was projected to continue and it was just kind of like we're fucking tired. Like, this is not enjoyable. We do not like this. This is not what we want to do. And so he started looking for coaching jobs. I think that's a really important revelation and perspective that a lot of people have a hard time walking away from. You worked very, very hard. It was a very challenging uh, project. Made some headway, like lots of setbacks, but were making headway, had finally gotten to a spot where it looked like it was going to keep going up. Maybe you had had this success, but you really weren't enjoying it. And we're starting to question if this was the quality of the quality of a life, the things you wanted to do at all, even if it was successful. Is that right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, the, the six years that we owned the gym, I think we took two vacations. Like, and, and I think that's pretty common among CrossFit gym owners, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it's really common. Were you paying yourselves? Um, very, 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 like we were paying our bills and that's it. Yeah. And things started to kind of like in that last year, year and a half, it had a little bit more of an uptick. She put her, put herself through like the profit first methodology. Um, and we were able to kind of like do what we could with that hire two pull two part-time coaches. So we started to get on the kind of like upswing of like, I at least was working less floor hours. 
I was getting home earlier at night. I was still waking up early five or six days a week, but um, the, I think the biggest the biggest kind of pivot point with people who might have like an outside view and go, okay, well, you had this upswing and you were making this much money per client. Like, why did you stop? We were talking to our business coach and one of the recurring themes was like, I don't, I didn't really want to stop coaching. And so it was kind of like a, well, you need, you need to hire and train more coaches, which we had started to invest time into one of our guys. Um, and then the other one was like, well, if you want to coach, then you could just hire like a GM to do all the stuff that you do. And I kind of sat, it was like, it was, I remember because it was around Christmas time, we had um, managed to get a vacation, um, found like an Airbnb, like an hour and a half away at the beach. It was miserable and cold. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just went like, I don't really want to invest the time and energy into training somebody to do what I do to make this business into this thing that like, I'm not sure if I want to keep doing, I think, I think that was it. There were, it was like, what do you see yourself doing in five years? And I was like, I don't think I want to own a gym anymore. That's an important moment of clarity. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was a little disappointing. Like wasn't really disappointed in like myself or Kayla or like what we had built. It was just disappointing to kind of like have this like thought of like, have we wasted six years? And I remember like us talking a lot about like if this ever like failed or if it was ever really successful and we would, would we look back at this as like a learning experience and, you know, listening and talking to a lot of, you know, fairly inspirational people or people that had success. Like I was kind of always confident that it would turn into a learning experience and just the position I've been in for just over the last year, like it was definitely really hard, but we learned like, like, especially me, like I learned so much from it. It allowed me to be, somewhat selective about like okay who am I going to work for what am I going to voice my opinions on should I see like somebody making kind of like the same mistakes I did or saying like hey you know I wouldn't do it this way because of this or I had tried I had tried it that way before and it had worked um you know we were definitely not uh you know a two or three hundred member gym but there's still like kind of those like touching points those sticking points and we saw like changes in our retention with the way we did our memberships, changes in how much people would get or not get hurt with types of programming, offering additional services and things like that. What do you think, digging into that a little bit, what do you think the biggest thing either or both of you learned from that experience that you can carry forward? If you, you're not going to own a gym anymore, what is the most useful piece of knowledge or idea or revelation that came out of that process? I think like sitting there and evaluating if whatever I'm going to do is going to be something that I'm going to be really proud of. Am I going to absolutely love it? And am I going to look back in even a, like a fairly short time span, like six to 12 months and go like, was that worth it? And that's helped me help like shape a lot of the decisions that I've done or, or still, I mean, I'm still making mistakes. So well, I think about like kind of starting with CrossFit and um, like making a decision to like just work my, my ass off and like commit to that to try to get to a place where I can start to 
take a step back, build a reliable schedule for myself and put my family first. Cause I'd like to say I did that when I owned a gym, but that's not true. And it's still something I'm having a hard time with myself. Um, and that, that is one of the reasons behind kind of the decision that we, we made, um, over the last month. Do you remember the moment when you decided to not be gym owners anymore? 100%. I mean, obviously there were conversations leading up to it, but was there a... Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it goes back to deciding that we need to hire somebody in some capacity or train somebody in some capacity to do the work that we were doing. And there was even discussion when we kind of like, it's it's like the second week in February in 2019 we've now given all of our members like two or three weeks notice that, hey, this is happening. February 10th and 9th is going to be our last operating day. And then we're going to shut down and liquidate everything. And we had people, like a group of people, like come to us who like were ending, entertaining the idea of like keeping it going. Well, and it, was our, it was our two coaches and their spouses. And the first thing we said was no. Yeah, we told them. We we're like, don't do it. And Just then no. we felt obligated. I mostly felt obligated to. So we spent the next like two weeks showing them all the numbers minus like all the numbers that they would end up having because they wouldn't have the personal training income that Robert was getting. But, you know, they look at the numbers and they're like, how did you guys live? And I was like, very frugally. (laughs) Yeah. But going back, going back to that, just the decision, the, the moment where we sat and talked about hiring somebody or training somebody was just like that. I I really don't want to do this. Um, and then even like, uh, like on the tail end of that, I had already started like putting feelers out to places that I, I had already like kind of thought of even like years prior, like going to this place, meet these people and be like, wow, this is a place I'd really love to work. Um, the irony of that is that place I, I never ended up working at. I interviewed, but I just, I never ended up there. I want to hear about the next step, but I just want to mention something Kayla just said that you know, your coaches came to you and it sounds like more or less offered to buy the business from you said, we want to do this. We want to figure out a way because you had gone through that exact same thing. You made the very ethical, but I have to imagine not necessarily easy decision to tell them no, because if anyone listening hasn't done it, I don't, I don't know. And I'm not going to ask you for your numbers, but generally when people liquidate a gym, it's pennies on the dog. It is not what you think it is. There's not millions of dollars coming in. Uh, it feels real bad and it costs money to get stuff out the door because it's all so heavy and turning down whatever money that would have been, even just not having to go through that process. Uh, I think you're to be commended for doing it because you made the, the ethical decision, but frankly, the harder decision. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't remember what the exact numbers were, but we basically over six years sold the gym for what we bought it for. Yeah. Yeah. So what next you, the gym is gone. You had been putting out feelers. Did you already have the next gig lined up? Well, actually, oh, yeah, go ahead, ironically, go what happened next was COVID. So yes. it was kind of yeah. like, so, holy right. timing. <laughs> yeah, so that's always a fun conversation because there's people in one of two camps. There are people who are like, oh, my God, how lucky for you to come to that decision. And then there's people who ask what we did. And we're like, well, we liquidated all the equipment. And they're like, what would have happened if you would have waited three months? Because there was <laughs> yeah. this massive equipment shortage and prices went through the roof. And that's always, that's always an interesting conversation because I'm like, we would have had to pay $3,000 in rent for almost three months. Like, I don't think my last piece of equipment, which was the entire rig, which luckily I had a friend who owned a gym 30 minutes down the road who just let me store it there in pieces. Um, 
at, we didn't sell that last bit until like three months after we had shut the gym down. But anyway, like, so we made, we made the decision with no solid job news, like nothing. I had, uh, until th- through the announcement in about the middle of February, I had done two interviews at one gym. I had had kind of an initial interview at CrossFit and then I had started in talks with Sam, who Sam Hirsch with Active Life, who at that time was coaching at Soar Health and Performance in New Jersey. Um, and then we get to kind of the beginning of March. Um, Sam needs an answer. And uh, COVID had kind of like started to happen. I knew realistically that it was going to be something where I would have to move there on my own for like the first couple of months that I worked there. Kayla would have to stay at home, figure out some stuff, sell a house, and then move up there with me. Of course, with any coaching job, like almost nothing was like guaranteed, but we were talking about numbers. We had done a FaceTime call to like look at an apartment, but but was, it yeah. really just came down to the numbers. Like, uh, and me being the gym's accountant, I was also our accountant, and I'm like. Well, we could stay here and live for nine months, or we could put all of this in a gamble to go to New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. So we sat. That also sounds like a hard decision. I mean, discussion. Yeah, yeah. And, and nothing was like solid. And I, had, I was scheduled to come to St. Pete for a day to spend time in the gym, kind of like shadowing, meeting, greeting, like they were like, let's just see how you like gel with the members, come on in, shadow a couple of classes, like coach a little bit, but not like full classes and just see how things go. So when, when Sam needed the answer for me, I just kind of said like, I have this kind of this duty to my wife and my family. Like this is an hour and a little bit away versus going thousands of miles North. I have to, I have to give this a shot, even if it ends up being like dead in the water. And so that was March. I went and I did one day and then we were kind of unsure what was going to happen. And then Jim shut down for two months. Yep. COVID was devastating everywhere. We were shut down for quite a while in Philadelphia uh, in different versions. And generally I think everyone was shut out for a period of time and it slowly started to come back. When did it seem like it was possible to start coaching again for you? Um, I think it was June. Yeah, so... I mean, gym- he was basic. You were talking to gym manager, like, every week. Yeah, like, that was... like, don't forget about me, don't forget about me. That was something I kind of was like, I had I had to have all my eggs in this basket. But it was also one of those things where I was like, I went, I went there essentially twice. I knew that this was an Active Life Pro Path gym, which was something I was genuinely interested in working in. Um, and just from, like, in the Central Florida area, people knew who... CrossFit were because they showed up to competitions a lot and were generally successful and in the CrossFit world like that's a that's kind of a big deal and you will have and they have built a business on that now of course not everybody walking the door is going to be a competitive CrossFitter but the people who are competitive CrossFitters have five friends who they're going to talk about CrossFit to nonstop. Um, and it you know they had a a pre-COVID membership of like 300 plus um, and are doing things like, right, they're on this path to adopt a, a hybrid style class model where there's going to be PT and the coaches are going to make money off that. And so their, their vision and their mission of 
professionalizing the coach and paying them a wage that is reflective of that was like all on the right track and I was very invested but yeah I mean from March until about May when it reopened just before Memorial Day like I don't think there was a week that went by that I didn't text or call in some capacity um, because if they were going to reopen and he was going to consider hiring anybody I was going to be the first person on his mind. Did they get rid of most of their staff or lay their staff off or anything like that? They got rid of their part-time coaches. Okay. Yeah. So the locate. So there's two locations here in St. Pete. There's the main larger gym, and then there's my location. And I think pretty much at that point, like right as I had started to talk to them, they had, they had begun the transition of their essentially their first like full time coach at that location. So it was just, and then this other guy. When did you start working? Um, I started in the beginning of July. Um, they have like an internship program, which is dependent on the person doing it can take up to three months. Um, I did it in about two because I was driving over here about two to three days a week. And near the tail end of it, I started to, I started to be here on Monday, Wednesdays and Thursdays, Wednesday nights, once a week, I would get an Airbnb so I could coach all day on Wednesday and as much as they would let me on Thursday and then I'd go home. September of 2020 was my first um, official month here. That must have been really exciting after all that time. Yes. Among other things, like, you know, we had gotten comfortable with the money that we had from like liquidating the gym, but it was good to know that like, okay, this opportunity is in front of us. And now I can start to like gain clients trust and build a clientele and do the things that I do best with running a workshop, helping people who might be in pain or, or anything of that nature doing, doing, or, and there were some limitations too, even in that first month and a half I was here because for the first month and a half that I coached, we still didn't live here. Um, so oh, okay. yeah, we did not, we did not buy the house that we are in until the middle of October. Um, and so once we were able to like live here, that changed things, um, quite dramatically, not having a two hour round trip commute. Now the process of building the clientele and, and sort of building out the the business of Robert Hull coaching, how quickly or how effectively do you think that was going? Looking back, um, it was a little bit, it was slower than I would have liked, asterisk. They were wanting to kind of bring back their barbell program, which they had gotten rid of as COVID came through and they reopened without it. So they used to have a barbell class that was I think about three days a week. You'd go there, it was included with your membership. Um, and outside of getting people out of pain, I've probably spent more time, money, and effort into learning how to teach people how to snatch and clean and jerk the most. And I really, really enjoy it. And so when they were like, Hey, we're going to run this program, it's going to be like a barbell program. You're going to have people who are going to have work two days a week in true coach. And we're going to see them once in person. It's going to cost this much. And it's up to you to like run a seminar to, kind of get clients and then sell them on it. I was just like, yeah, sure. Like it, it was, it was something I love to do. It was an opportunity for me to make a pretty considerable amount of money for the hours spent. And, um, I jumped on it and we had, we had more signups at our gym than I think the other location with half as many members. Wow. So, I mean, it was, I was, I was like, I was like, oh, cool. We have nine people signed up. I was hoping for eight. I had a late entry. I was like, yeah, sure. That's fine. And then like talking to the other locations, I was like, oh, I got a 
a lot of people. <laughs> First of all, that must have been very exciting, but you're also to be commended because that kind of assignment, I think, would be really intimidating to a lot of coaches, personal trainers. Like, by the way, we're bringing a program and you're responsible for filling it and you're responsible for making sure, like, it's not just like being handed a program and make sure no one punches themselves in the face with a barbell. Like, that's a big job. Yeah. I, and it, but it, I mean, it's something I've done. I mean, I've kind of done in the past. We ran like a, we ran a, we ran a barbell class at our gym. Yeah. God, I don't remember. But, you know, I, I, that was something that was just like, it was one day a week and we had people jump in whenever they wanted. But I also knew like this was a huge opportunity. Like, I'm still very new. I think the program started like right after we moved here. Um, and so, it was an opportunity to prove myself from a programming perspective of which like outside of like weightlifting and pain-free stuff. Like I, I dislike programming like Metcons enormously or enormously like conditioning is not something I really like. Uh, but anyway, it was a chance for me to prove myself like from a programming perspective. It was a chance for me to, coach people on a more intimate level than I had done in group classes, even though I was still a relatively new coach. And then if I was able to deliver results with it, I knew that it could be like this long standing thing. It was, it was, it was a little bit of like a scarcity mindset. I kind of like, I kind of like dove into it before I really knew like how much money it was going to be and how much time it was going to take me to do the thing. Um, but looking back, I still think it was, I think it was a great decision. How long were you at CrossFit? Like a month and a half. That's a lot for the new guy coming in. Yeah. Now, I'm trying to timeline this, and I don't know when it started. When did you launch your professional coaching page on Instagram? July, end of July, beginning of August. Of this year? Yes. Yeah. Got a lot of freaking stuff up in that timeline. <laughs> before the page, before the... Yeah, before the page launched, I think she had a month's worth of content. Yeah, I, I came up with it because I didn't want the page to be new and people to come to it and see like free posts. I wanted it to actually look legitimate when people looked at it. So I came up with like, I think 30 posts or something just so you would have to scroll when you got to the page, um, which that was like a post it not perfect because it not not super great content at the beginning. <laughs> um, but yeah. I mean, first of all, it looks great, and you do an excellent job. You do all the copywriting and, and all of that, yeah. right? When did when did you all decide to do that? When when was it, well, we should launch this, and it should be a thing, and it should look good and professional and have copywriting and all of this? It's not just, you know, you drinking coffee and pointing pictures, your camera at your salad or things like so that. So something I want to highlight here is, like, it didn't – there was a lot of back story to kind of, like, the reason she's so good at what she does – um, on the tail end of 2019, when we were trying to figure out like, what's the next step with our business. So I'd gone through immersion and we had some people leave and we were like, I was like, Oh, it doesn't seem like providing individualized programming for $250 a month is going to like solve all of our money problems. Like we need to get people into our gym. What do we do? Um, one of the things we did is we had an hour call with Stu Brower. Um, and so I think early on, studying a lot of what he did with urban movement was kind of like one of the catalysts for her. And so 2019 finishes up, um, as I'm getting ready to transition into a position where we're no longer going to be like working together, doing the same thing. She took a professional copywriting course right at the beginning of 2020 and wouldn't, you know, it COVID happened. So now nobody is hiring anybody to do anything. 
So she spent a fairly considerable amount of money on that and did some like cold emailing and stuff like that, but she never got to like use that. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't really know the extent of it outside of like a little bit of what our gym social media was starting to do. We were starting to have people come through our doors who saw a post and felt like it spoke directly to them, which anybody knows, like if you have an ideal audience, which even when we were with the gym, I don't think we really understood quite how that worked, but it, our social media was starting to talk to people that we wanted to be a part of us. Um, and so she's kind of like had that, and but she just hasn't had a way to express it. She's done a lot of research. She's looking at everything that almost anybody else is doing, whether it's good or bad and learning from it. Yeah. Well, ironically, like, um, when, when we still owned our gym, I took a, it was like a freebie Annie Miller course specifically on Instagram. And she was mostly talking about, or she was only talking about remote coaching, but I was able to apply some of that stuff to our gym social media. Now that I am doing stuff for him, I went right back to that stuff I learned two years ago and it's so applicable. But I mean, what started it though is um, Active Life, the, the module that you were in yep. was in like... The business stuff the with business Mary Banks. Stuff. So um, he was like, well, I work in a gym. I, I don't really have any use for this. And I was like, well, you do remote coaching and you can always afford to get more like onboard, more remote coaching clients. Um, you can only work so many physical hours. So I was just like, you know, I have all this knowledge. I'm not doing anything with any of this experience and learning that I have. I'm like, let me put it to something and see if anything comes of it. So how do you, I think it's a really interesting setup, especially being married. How do you go about crafting the personal brand of Robert Hell coaching as he's off coaching and you're, coming up with the coffee and deciding what it's going to be or tell me how it works. Yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely a slight, well, coming up with the person to speak to isn't a total challenge because I, he has revised his um, like mission statement and his specific avatar that he wants to work with to a point where I know exactly what he's talking about. He also had certain clients that we had um, in our old gym who I knew very personally. So I know his ideal client personally. As far as that goes, I mean, and what I'll have him do is just, hey, how was your day? Tell me about your PT clients. And then I'll just be like jotting stuff down in my notes as he's talking. And um, But it's definitely a cycle of like, I need him to refresh me on new things to say. And that, that's just coming from like going for a walk and talking about his clients or talking about the successes because he's absolutely terrible asking people for testimonials. So... <laughs> Uh, I think that's a great insight, and I, just to repeat it back, because people should be writing this down, an enormous amount of your copy is at least inspired or informed by exactly the clients who he already has, exactly the, the problems he's already solving, exactly the successes that already exist, noting it, writing it down, and be like, oh, this is stuff we can talk about. And it doesn't have to be just one post. You can use that over and over and over and over and over again and come back to these. We had... Uh, speaking of Stu Brower, I, I legitimately forget, uh, because this is the way that podcasts work, if it was on my podcast or me on his podcast, but we were talking about like having like the couple of things that you want to talk about and just hitting those constantly. Like he does his um, operational capacity, right? If you've listened to WTF Gym Talk, Stu Brower, friend of the podcast, like operational capacity is over and over and over and over again because it's something he believes in. It's something he's really good at. But, you know, you wouldn't, if you just make one video about it, 
people assume that everyone's going to see it somehow and they don't. It's a thing you like have to just keep coming back to these things that, that you find are important. And that's how you become known as the person who does X, Y, and Z and the person who believes in these mission principles and, and guiding principles that you think are important. Yeah. I think about, so just highlighting what you just said, I think about like the last two clients that I took on, I took on a very old friend of ours who we've known before we got married. Um, this past weekend, I've, somebody I've been working on probably since the beginning of October. And I'm really glad I have her finally, cause she's had a lot of pain for a lot of time. Um, anyway, like I doubt that if this page didn't exist, she would have ever known what I do. And she definitely saw stuff like repetitively and reached out kind of in not a very formal way, probably like in September. Um, and then another one of those, uh, good buddy of mine who owned, his name's Cameron. He owns the gym where I stored my rig for like three months, um, is now one-on-one -on -one client of mine as well. And he's, we attended the active life workshop together in Palm beach in 2019. Um, he's, we've talked about a lot of the success that I've had just from going through immersion and now pro coach. And he's, I think done active life foundations as a gym owner as well. And he's known what I've done and he's had issues in the past, but I, we both kind of agree that there's a pretty good chance that he wouldn't have constantly been reminded that I am available as a resource to him had the page not existed and the posting schedule and the people that we're talking to. Yeah, I think, I mean, when I first got started, I was like, well, I don't want to repeat myself. I've already said this, but you'd like, you have to. So people who are doing this, like, it seems like, well, they already know. Well, no, they don't. Or yes, they do, but they need to hear it six times before they're going to send you a DM. Like, keep, take one thing and say it 16 times. And I think that's really important too. If people are coaching in person, it's something I find myself doing all the time and I need to stop it. If somebody, if I feel even slightly that somebody has done an exercise that I'm about to do, I will kind of be like, all right, Justin, so we're going to do this exercise. I know you've probably done it before. And it's like the worst thing that you can do as a professional is like, assume somebody has already done it and also assume that they know why they're doing it or how to do it correctly. And so that's something I'll just like, now I'll just genuinely act surprised if someone recalls something that we did. 16 sessions ago because I might be bringing it back to what they're doing in a new light whether their body can tolerate it or whether like I've gained a better understanding of like the exercise selection in of itself um and I think that has a lot to do with with that even just working like remotely doing doing the social media stuff like just because you said it once doesn't mean somebody heard it I think that's a great point and for any athletes members clients people who aren't coaches but are listening to this out there this is also something you can apply if you're trying to find a coach or a program or someone you trust. Like, go through and ideally, people who know about it, if they're on social media, there's not, nothing against those few coaches who aren't on social media, but they should ideally be kind of saying the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. If you find someone and one month they're like CrossFit saving the world and the next month it's Zumba mm -hmm. and the next month it's Pilates and they're telling you this is the only way forward and they're really inconsistent, that's... Uh, I would say a signal that they're still working some stuff out yeah. and maybe aren't quite ready to help you in the way that you likely want to be helped. Yeah, hard agree. So big change after big change. We're at CrossFit. We're seeing a significant amount of success, it sounds like. What's the next big change? Yeah, so if 
we thought that deciding to shut down a gym and with no job prospects and do this was hard. For whatever reason, this most recent decision, at least emotionally for me, has been probably even harder. So we'll start with the backstory. Um, among the gyms that I interviewed with and did not get a job was Elevate St. Pete, which is located here in St. Pete. Um, it is not a CrossFit affiliate. And I had had a conversation with Taylor Race, one of the owners, and Nicole Race's husband, um, the day after I had initially met Jason, who is my current boss, and Tony, who is his business partner. Um, in 2019, beginning, or excuse me, beginning of 2020, um, and not only were they not hiring, uh, Taylor kind of gave me some very pointed feedback on reasons he wouldn't, would not hire me. Uh, I wasn't a very emotionally intelligent person, and I was in this fairly negative headspace with the process that I was ending of being a gym owner, not making enough money, working too much, and things of that nature. So he basically gave me some recommendations. He gave me a book to read, Emotional Intelligence, and I, I did that. I read the book, um, started to kind of think about like how I would apply that to myself, but on top of that, um, one of the things that we're required to do, all new coaches at CrossFit are required to do, is to do Rockstar Coaching with Andrew Frezza from Seven Figure Box. And I think that started to kind of be one of the catalysts to like change who I was or who I was when I was coaching. And it also gave me just some pretty pointed feedback as I was going through the process and you know, for the last six years, I've had nobody to give me this feedback. I think that's probably one of the most harmful things of like being a business owner who deals with people in person and not having anybody to kind of like sit above you at like 10,000 feet and watch what you're doing and give you feedback on what you were able to do. Like it was not helpful that I was my own boss in essence. Um, so anyway, fast forward to kind of like where we are now definitely grown a lot like I look back at who I was and I'm just like almost ashamed at this point I saw that uh, Nicole had just joined as a pro path gym um, and I was like oh this is cool I'm super interested in hearing like what 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 why why now and like what it is they're doing because I think at this point Sean had kind of shared his vision of like the future of active life kind of through 2022 with pro coaches and pro gyms and I was curious if that had any impact on her and so I would just kind of contacted her and Taylor and I was like hey my wife and I would love to meet you guys for coffee and just kind of pick your brains like we've we seem to have hit like kind of like a rough patch at Berg with retention churn member growth and stuff like that even though like some of our worst months this year I had like absolutely stellar numbers which is weird to say the least um and shortly after we contacted them, they posted that they were hiring. Um, and I kind of didn't think anything of it. I was just like, this is not the reason I'm meeting them. You've been rejected already. I've been rejected <laughs> already. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of stuff, like, it, it just, it, it didn't really cross my mind. Apparently, she talked to Dr. Sean, asked her his opinion of me, thought it would be a good idea for her to have coffee with me and so uh, we ended up just meeting at Elevate one day in the afternoon both of us went and and talked to her and it turned from kind of like a what we're doing at 
what they're doing at Elevate into a what would it look like if you worked here discussion. And so that was kind of like not expected, but also listening to her talk about what the future of Elevate looks like, what it looks like now and the type of people that they need. I had this very like sinking feeling in my chest of just like, man, this is something that I should be a part of. And that was, I mean, it was like, it was really hard. Even at this point right now with about basically a week left that I'm not unhappy. And, you know, I've I've talked to some, some of the other coaches who are a little bit frustrated with my scenario. They're like, you've put so much effort in and you've built this clientele and you've had financial, significant financial success. Like, why would you leave? And I was just kind of like, they're doing things a little bit differently. And I see this sort of like disconnect between this particular like CrossFit gym and like the future of healthcare. And although I'm not unhappy right now, there is a potential for that kind of like unhappiness to grow in an, in the next six months. And so I thought it was best and it was definitely a joint decision between the two of us that this was the best next step. So uh, we left the next day. She made me a formal job offer. I let, I let my boss know we had met with her on a Tuesday on Wednesday. I told him and then on Friday, the three of us had a zoom meeting and it got for me, it got like pretty, pretty emotional. Like, mission statement is to live the life you never knew existed. And a year ago, I could not have imagined I would have as, as, uh, as much success as I've had at this point. I want to fill in a couple of blanks in case anyone didn't pick up on them. And then I have an observation. Uh, so the pro, we've been throwing around pro path, pro coach. Uh, both of those are active life programs. The pro coaches one coaches go through um, uh, a lot of professionalization, orthopedic stuff, getting people out of pain. Uh, pro path is the version for gym owners out there. And Dr. Sean is Dr. Sean Pestuch, who by the time you hear this has already been on this podcast. He owns Active Life. That'll fill in those blanks. Uh, I think it's really cool that you went to meet as a family for this coffee. Am I clear that you, you had this, this coffee date and you got a job offer the next day? Yeah. So first off, it, it ended up not being coffee. Um, we, we drove to the gym, having been there um, once before about two years ago. And, uh, and yes, you're correct. Then the next day I had a job offer. That's remarkable. For the other coaches being perhaps a little cranky or not fully understanding of why you're leaving, it seems to me like an obvious parallel that you've already done this once. You went through a period, started finding a lot of success, realized that wasn't exactly the success you wanted, and this is closing the gym, right? Like, it was it was hard, you worked really hard, you got the numbers pointing in the right direction, everything, like... To an outside observer, as we, we covered earlier, like everyone would have said, great, this is it. Like you finally hit it. Everything's going to be easier now. He said, yeah, but this, this isn't quite right. And it seems like it was a lot closer to that. And certainly it sounds like they were very supportive of you and are supportive of their, uh, their staff, um, especially going through the seven-figure box stuff and things like that. But you started realizing that it wasn't exactly the right thing. You were kind of getting closer and honing in on what you thought you wanted this mission and dream to be, but it wasn't quite there. Yeah, that's uh, it's really interesting yeah. that you just drew that parallel because I wouldn't have, have never thought of that myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, you've done this before. Yeah, and I would, <laughs> I'm sure Nicole might listen to this. I'd hate for her to think like, but I mean, it's just, it's one of those learning experiences. Um, I, I think the weirdest part about it is this was emotionally so much harder um, because it's like 
any coach who, any professional coach who's going to take a job knows that you're not going to walk in there and be guaranteed to make five or $6,000 a month or, or whatever it is that they think they should be making. You're going to have to work really hard at it. And nothing is going to be different about this at all. But it is interesting to hear you to hear you say that. And I actually had a conversation with Dr. Sean the other day, and it wasn't until kind of like Active Life did this thing, and I don't know where exactly it came from, but they sent all their employees these postcards that said, if you want to be world-class, prepare to be unrelatable. And until I heard other people kind of go, well, why in the world will you do that? I had never understood what that statement meant because if they had the same goals or alignment with my mission that I had, they would be doing the exact same thing. So I don't, it, I'm surprised that they were like surprised, but I'm also like at the same time, not because they don't want to do what I'm doing. Yeah. And it's a different mission. Like to be clear, I imagine most, at least most of the people you work with are probably great coaches and they are fulfilling their mission. It sounds like if they're happy doing it of being excellent fitness coaches and you have your eyes on not something, not something better, but something different. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's literally a different lane and a different path. You're headed somewhere. And else. that's been, I think the biggest conversation with most people is even like talking to my family, like my parents and my brother about it. They were like, my the first thing my dad says was, I assume this is a step up. And I was like, no, <laughs> this is a step sideways. This is a step sideways. And that was kind of something that talking to, to my boss, they were just like, well, what are they offering you that we're not? I'm like, guys, this isn't like, there is almost, there's almost no financial changes. Even if I had the same clientele there, I was working the same amount of floor hours, like very little would change. What, what I said to them was like, this could end up being the wrong decision. It very well could be nothing's guaranteed. And in three months I could look back and be like, well, crap, I'm out. I am going to miss teaching people how to snatch. I am going to miss watching people do rope climbs and muscle ups in the middle of rope of class workouts. I don't think that's going to happen. And those are things that like I thought about along the way. But yeah, it's not, it's not one's bad. One's good. It's just that you're right. They're just two completely different things. They're both doing great things for two completely different sets of people. We're going to, we're going to have people and I know they've already had this there at LA. We're going to walk, we're going to have people walk in the door who want to be a badass CrossFitter and we're going to say, that's really awesome. This is not the place for you. I mean, this is, this is quite a journey. It's, it seems a little hard to imagine getting here, taking any one of those pieces away, both the good parts and the bad parts. Yeah. Like that, that, that's how a story is crafted, right? Yeah. So what is the, what is the mission? What is the dream? Let's say of, of Robert Hall coaching. I know you work at elevate, but what is the, in whatever, three to five years, what does it look like ideally? Um, so one thing I'm probably, I, I see myself still coaching group classes. That was like a conversation that I had with, um, with Jono, with Tana. Um, we've had that conversation. Before. These are active life employees. Correct. Yeah. 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 All, all within the pro coach program. Um, and so I still see myself doing that. Uh, another conversation that I had with Tana was like, do I see myself being in any sort of like clinical setting doing like exercise prescription? That one was kind of hard to answer because, and I won't get into it today. Um, I was like, no, because 
insurance is going to dictate what I'm going to be able to do. Um, so I see myself being at a place like Elevate, who is whose one singular like focus is the healthcare clinic of the future, where coaches are doing exactly what I am doing. But and this kind of goes back to us creating my Instagram page. It's hard to argue against the time versus money trade off that remote remote coaching does. I'm allowed to. I'm able to reach more people and kind of like do better for myself and therefore enable myself to do more for other people. I think that's one thing. And Dr. Sean kind of talks about this a lot. Like money is, is kind of like a catalyst for you to do it, do more and be able to help more. Like I remember you talking about raising your prices, Justin. And I was just like, wow, he's going to be able to help like so many people now. Like that's all I could think about. And I was just like, I was like, I wish I had the, balls to do that <laughs> well it gives you the space to operate right as you as someone like and i have absolutely been in this these situations a number of times uh if it feels like the boot is on your neck there's nowhere to go and you're just struggling and struggling and struggling and you get tunnel vision at least i do i get tunnel vision very very quickly if i if there's significant financial concern and it's really hard to plan more than a tiny bit ahead uh, if you have a little bit of breathing room you can operate, you can start to make these choices, including like, no, I, I think I am useful and I enjoy coaching group classes. That's something I'm going to put on my schedule, not because you necessarily have to do it, but because you want to do it. And or, and by the way, for any coaches listening to this, coaching group classes is an amazing way to be able to have conversations with a couple hundred people a week. And maybe two or three of those, you end up being able to be more useful into a one-on-one -on -one context or a remote training context or something like that. Like you have this audience right there that you get to demonstrate credibility and, and earn their trust and, and they start to like you and get to know you right away in a way that lots of other people don't. Um, so it's also a huge opportunity. What is the biggest struggle of doing this as a team? We have very little time together. Yep. Like it's hard for me to get um, copy. I can do all day long, but the actual content is almost impossible for me to get because we're almost never together. So I have to be very creative or have to snap a whole bunch of stuff in one, one tiny thing and just be okay that it's not perfect. Yeah, yeah. you look at like, kind of like the stock photos of like what we have done in the gym setting. Those were done in like a two hour time period on one day where we just like, we made a, we had pre-planned out like a list of movements that we were gonna do, items from the Active Life movement screen that were going to kind of go hand in hand with whatever she was writing. And then a lot of these like real videos of like her playing the part of like back pain or knee pain, those are done on like a Saturday or Sunday and we're like at our family's like houses. So we're taking like, when we don't have time together during the week, we are taking both time out of our like relaxation time to make that kind of stuff happen. And a large part of it is just her going, Hey, like, stop watching football. Next commercial break, we're going to go do this video. <laughs> you have to play manager for a minute? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, not just a minute, but yeah. And, and the, the other hard thing for me personally is I'm not a tech person, so it's ironic that I'm trying to do all... So diving into, like, the videos and stuff, they're very corny because it's, like, what amateur shop is, but... <laughs> well, first of all, I've seen a couple of things that you've done that are genuinely funny. 
and people should, if you aren't already, you should follow Robert and we'll put the Instagram at the end of the show. We'll put it in the show notes and all of that stuff. Uh, but you're good at it. Do you like doing it? So in five years, Robert Hall coaching is tremendously successful. What are you doing, Kayla? Um, that's a really good question. I don't know. I mean, I, I do enjoy doing the Instagram stuff and I actually just yesterday watched a new, um, it's, it's old, but he just re-emailed it a new Stu Brower, uh, video on like making videos and stuff. Um, that like, I, I am getting fired up about it. Um, so I do think that's something that I would like to get better at, get more educated in the technology that can make them actually good videos. Um, but I definitely don't want it to be my only thing. Um, like I feel like I have too many, too many interests and I don't hone in on one, like, uh, trying to start a garden. Um, I'm thinking about doing like a meal prep cookbook because that's like literally all I do constantly is meal prep. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think you could do all of those. <laughs> I have the time. I just have to be disciplined. <laughs> And try it. Like, I think that there's a lot to be learned here from what you said. First of all, like you're putting down your, your posting and your content. And I don't think that's accurate. I think most of it's really good. But just doing it and then by doing it, you learn what you need to do to refine it. Right. I'm sure the first time you did something, you were like, well, that was fine. And now looking back, you find at least I do this with my stuff. Things I put up two years ago, I'm pretty dissatisfied with it. But it's because in the past two years, I've learned all these other things about how I like to put things together and shortcuts and how I make things look good. And the fact that I hope as you're seeing me, like I look pretty good right now, but this setup took me a long time to figure out yeah. and, and it wasn't this way for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting more and more comfortable with just post it. It's not going to be perfect. I'll make another one. That's exactly the same, but better in a year. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. And I think anybody can say yeah. that about anything they do. I think about, the way I speak and execute myself when I'm doing a training session, when I'm coaching a group class. And I think about taking my level two for like the second time. And they're like, you should videotape yourself. And I like, I never did any of that stuff. And then when I would, when I would do that here at CrossFit, um, I was just like, Oh no, who is that guy? And what is he doing? But it's, it's so nice to have that, again, that like overhead view of what you're doing because it allows you to improve what you thought was so good 10 years ago when you took your level one and you're like, I know everything. We're going to fix this person's air squat and they're going to overhead squat better than they ever had and all this stuff. And I'm just really fortunate that she is always there to point out when I'm doing something wrong, which in the moment I'm just like, stop it. But it's extremely useful. And then to have like this amazing network of people like you and Larry Geyer and all these other people who are doing what they do at an extremely high level, which has led me to this most recent decision that I made is because I don't want to be more like them. I want to, I want to find that version of myself and not stop until I get there. That is incredibly inspiring and everybody loves the you know transformation right before and after so uh, i just, i think i have to keep reminding myself when i go to post something that looks like shit to me just it's fine you can make fun of it in a month it's like it's totally fine 100 <laughs> percent. now there's what is your advice because especially going through these different these sort of different identities there can be a real problem with people who want to make a big change but feel like they're going to lose their identity either 
I'm a gym owner or I'm a CrossFit coach or I'm a, I'm a very competitive athlete. I'm used to being the fittest person in the gym and now I'm not going to. Do you have any advice for someone who is, there's someone out there right now listening to this who wants to make a big change but is worried that they're either going to lose their identity or everyone's going to look at them and say, what the hell are you doing, you dummy? Um, be, be really selfish. Like, be movie villain selfish. What is it that you want to do? And this is a running joke between the two of us. I'm extremely selfish. Not always in a positive manner, but like, I'm going to get to do whatever it is that I want to do very quickly because that's always something on my mind. Like, what is it that I want to do? And then if your identity is I am a, start thinking about more of what it is that you do rather than the person that you are. So like my identity is not, I am a coach. My identity is the people that I help do X, Y, and Z. So I don't like to like people are like, what do you do for a living? I very rarely say I coach. Like I'll, I'll, the first thing I'll kind of say is it's complicated. And so then I'll kind of explain like what I do because that like, that's the honest truth. It's the same way if a client is just like, Hey, my knee's bugging me. Like, what should I do? And I'll be like, I'm not sure I have the answer to that question right now, or I, I can't tell you unless I have all the information. Um, that, that would be my, my general recommendation. Be selfish and try not to define yourself by your position, but rather like the things that it is that you do or the ways that you affect other people. Yeah. I mean, honestly, me right now, that's, I'm total identity crisis. I don't know what I am or where I, so I mean, trying a whole bunch of stuff until something lights you up. Um, but also I read this somewhere. I would love to give credit to wherever I read it, but, um, like think about when you were a kid, what you did in your free time and you probably don't do that anymore. Like go back to that. Like if you used to read a lot, read a bunch of fiction. If you used to draw, draw, if you used to write, write, um, just back when you were a kid and you didn't have an identity. <laughs> so you didn't think I'm a lawyer, I'm a cook, I'm a whatever. You were just like, I'm a kid. I love that. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, Robert and Kayla, this has been wonderful. Tell people all of the ways they should find you. Certainly plug the Instagram page. Everyone should be following you. If you're listening to this, you need to go follow them. But anything else that people should know to get in touch with you if they want to? Yeah, so the Instagram handle is at Robert.Hall underscore coach. Um, my personal page is at lift underscore the word and underscore chill which is a Netflix and chill joke. Um, Timeless. Timeless. And then, yeah, in the next week, uh, if you're in the Central Florida area and you'd like to come to what is probably the best beach in the United States in St. Petersburg, if you're not a CrossFit person, then you can come and find me at Elevate St. Pete. That is wonderful. Thank you both for coming on. I really, really appreciate your time. This has been great. Thank you, Justin. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your subscriptions. Your written reviews make a big difference. Thank you for those. Please keep them coming. Drop five stars while you're there. If you find these podcasts helpful, share them with friends. Send it on. We love it when the stuff gets shared outside of our bubble, outside of you folks. Any feedback, hit us up on Instagram at feelstrongfit on Instagram. DMs are open there for all of your questions and feedback. More questions about the program or you're ready to get started, feelstrong.me is the website feelstrong.me if you're ready to make a change if you're ready to feel better than you have in a long time get in touch
My name is Justin McClintock. Feel strong. <laughs>